1: Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and award-winning veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel. Well, thank you so much for
2: joining us today on Caregiver SOS on Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernial. Carol is a social gerontologist, has a master's degree in social gerontology, over 30 years' experience in the field. She's co-chair of the Rays National Council on Caregiving and executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And Carol, this is a a topic we're going to be taking up, uh, the overall state of caregiving that's of real interest to you. Well, it is a,
3: from the standpoint of the current administration, President Biden has continued a caregiving council raise uh, to look into the problems caregivers are facing, to elevate caregivers and recognize them, educate them. Um, and the state of caregiving is changing. Uh, it's wonderful that organizations are out there conducting surveys, seeing what's different. Um, and so I'm excited today to hear about the results of a national survey.
2: Well, we're going to be talking with Tatiana Zlotsky. She is president of A Place for Mom, an online platform connecting families searching for senior care. And we are delighted to have you with us. She holds an MBA in marketing and finance and a bachelor's degree in marketing from Rutgers University School of Business. And Tatiana, thanks for being with us.
4: Thank you so much for having
2: me. Let me start with a big question. What is the state of caregiving in this country?
4: Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, It's such an important topic. Um, I think the context before even answering that critical question is the rapidly increasing number of seniors that we are expected to see in the U.S. So by 2030, we expect to have 50 percent more seniors and that number is going to double um, and reach 80 million by 2040. So, you know, some folks refer to this trend as the great tsunami, uh, and, and sort of other, other interesting terms. But, you know, as, as baby boomers start to age into the official senior category, it's, there's going to be a lot of demand around this topic for getting more support for senior citizens. So um, at A Place for Mom, we conducted a survey kind of trying to unpack more of the trends and the implications of this growing number of seniors. And so we found a couple of interesting things Number one, we found that 82% of caregivers have made personal sacrifices in order to provide what they view as adequate care for their senior loved ones. And so, you know, majority of these folks are not professionally trained caregivers. And with all the challenges being faced by seniors, it's a very difficult job for them to do. And so, nearly 40% report that while they attempt on providing this to their senior loved ones, they're putting their own physical um, and mental health at risk. So I'll pause on that one first, just to, to try to unpack that a little bit more, because to me, that was so shocking. The, the real quantified sacrifice folks are taking in order to help our senior loved ones.
3: Well, it, you know, that's our, true the, the the issue, the word you used was sacrifice and i don't think that there are a lot of people in public office or you know maybe even in healthcare that really understand that people are giving up something to become family caregivers and provide that care.
4: Yeah, well that's a great point Carol and it leads to our second finding which in fact goes directly to this question 75% of caregivers who were employed prior to assuming this role said they had either meaningfully less time to focus on their day-to-day work or had to quit their jobs entirely. So there is a real impact to their ability um, to earn income and to be able to provide for their families. We know that a lot of caregivers are in a sandwich generation, right? So they're both providing for children, potentially even grandchildren, as well as taking care of their parents.
2: And when they Um, give up when they give up that income, they also severely cut into their potential social security income.
4: Correct. While developing additional mental and physical ailments. Right. And so rounding all that out with um, not a surprising number, 96% reported being emotionally drained and overwhelmed by the situation. And so um, it's, you know, it's a really growing crisis in terms of how do we provide the right care for seniors, Um, And that's really where our service comes in, because one of my primary goals is to destigmatize the idea of getting help um, to support your senior loved ones. You know, as as both a mother of two children and a primary caregiver to two grandparents um, growing up, I have felt the big difference and distinction when you go to ask for help with your children uh, which is usually met with support uh, and, uh, and sort of understanding of flexibility, although I know that took us a long time to get there as a society. Uh, but when you talk about getting help with your senior loved ones, there's a lot more stigma to it. And so that's really where our service comes in.
2: We're going to come right back to you as we talk about caregiving and seniors and what the national survey shows. I'm Ron Aaron with our co-host Carol Zernial, and we're talking with Tatiana Zolansky about caregiving caregivers in a national survey That a place for mom conducted, and what were the overall conclusions as you look back at the survey that you undertook? How bad is it for caregivers?
4: Yeah, look, I um, I wouldn't categorize it as bad or good. I would I would categorize it as an area that um, that needs more transparency um, and more discussion. Um, and so I think, you know, the first thing we can do is acknowledge the fact that there are people that need more support. Um, and I think the second thing we can do is identify what types of resources they actually might need in order to make a difference. So whether that's getting them care in the home with home care or home health, or really evaluating the right options to place their senior loved one into a community that can really service them Um, both providing support with their daily activities and, importantly, with socialization. You know, a lot of times we help families um, after a death of one of their senior loved ones. You know, one parent dies and the other parent um, is here. And so socialization, of course, becomes a growing challenge and question. And so senior living communities... Um, have a lot of different options ranging from independent living, assisted living, and of course, memory care support. Um, but most of them do a great job at offering a community and, a, and socialization opportunities for seniors to engage, to feel happiness, more joy, um, and extend their life.
3: Well, you, you've talked about the importance of socialization. We, we also and see that in the media, but, but I'm curious because you do work with a variety of organizations that provide services to older adults and their families. What have you seen as the impact on COVID or coming out of COVID? Um, we had some staff shortages before. They it really took a toll during COVID. Are you seeing some of that Then bounce back. Are there people coming back to work and back into the field? Are we still really struggling um, at as just in it as a care community?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So let let, you know, let's go back to COVID. You know, it's interesting. I joined a place for mom just about six months before COVID uh, hit, and so it was an interesting uh, time to make the career. Uh, you know, transition. Um, And so it was devastating. I mean, that was a really devastating time um, for our industry, for the healthcare providers in our communities and in the homes of of seniors, for our families and for for a place for mom employees as well. So, you know, we went through, through a lot of difficult decisions and through a lot of difficult change. Um, and so I think the first, the first thing that really happened was we had to get that vaccine into the communities, right, in order to, to make it safe, in order to be able to um, have people visit again and just move in, frankly. And, and that would, so that happened pretty quickly. The good news is seniors were at the top of the list, as, as were the healthcare workers. So within a couple of months, um, we started to see the vaccine prevalent across our communities, um, and, and you know, families being able to both get in to visit their senior loved ones and, of course, uh, be able to tour prospective new communities um, as well. So that was the first milestone. And the second one was exactly what you mentioned, Carol, which is there was a staffing shortage. Right. Um, and so it took a lot longer to work through that. Um, and I really think probably in the beginning to mid of last year, 2023, is when we finally started to see more stabilization around being able to have the right healthcare providers within communities to get more um, home care providers into the homes of seniors. I know personally with my grandparents, you know, we were, we were not able to get the right help for them um, really until the beginning of last year. And so now I think, you know, we're seeing a lot more stability when it comes to that. Um, And that's important because we need people that have experience doing these roles, that understand seniors, that have been, um, you know, with with the community or or with the seniors for a prolonged period of time uh, because it becomes a personal relationship. Right. Um, And so I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing going into 2024. Uh, We see a lot more um, well staffed communities. Uh, we also see you know home care providers staying with seniors for longer periods of time and occupancy continues to be on the rise um the post covid months that's
3: good to hear it's good to hear that um that we're moving in the right direction uh, and and hopefully we're you know the with more and more people getting all the different uh, vaccines that will we, will we know we've slowed down some of the uh, mutation of the, of the disease.
2: And I just hope that we continue to move in that direction as well. We'll continue. We'll continue this discussion in just a couple of moments. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Carol Zerniel, our co-host and our special guest, Tatiana Zolotsky. I'm Ron Aaron. Well, thank you so much for listening to Caregiver SOS on air. We're delighted to have you with us. We come to you every week with a discussion of an issue, a problem, some accomplishments involved in caregiving with more than 60 million caregivers across this country, but most thinking they are the lone rangers. We try to bring you the latest information and help that can make that job easier and more manageable. Caregiver SOS On Air takes a look at trends across this country. We provide tips on how to be a better caregiver and, most importantly, where you can go for help. On Caregiver SOS On Air, we try to give you what you need to make that caregiving manageable and to provide you with the help that can make your life easier. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel and I are delighted to co-host this program, and we're thrilled you've joined us on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air podcast available everywhere, brought to you by WellMed Charitable Foundation. Hello, friends. So please, you are sticking with us on Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zerniel, and we're talking on the Caregiver SOS on air hotline with Tatiana Zelotsky. She's with a Place for Mom, and we're talking about ways in which you can find and secure long-term care for your loved one if you are the caregiver. And, and talk to us a little bit, if you will, Tatiana, about how you make that decision. When do you know it's time for an out-of-home placement? What do you do with cost? What do you look for in finding a place?
4: Yeah, it's a great question. And I think something that families really get stuck on, right? So I think there are three things that I would encourage folks to consider. The first one is really care needs. What are the senior loved ones specific care needs? What we find is that most seniors require some sort of assistance with activities of daily living, which could include things like assistance with their meals, with medication dispensing, with bathing and showering, um, and then we do see that you know for seniors that um, are struggling with memory care, memory loss um, impairments, they they require even a lot more hands-on care, um, and of course you know additional activities um, and additional focus. So the first place to start, in my opinion, is assessing what are the right care needs and figuring out what facilities could support that. The second piece equally as important is, of course, costs. We know that cost is incredibly important. This is um, a big financial decision for families. And, you know, nearly two-thirds of families we speak with do not feel prepared or understand the financial options or even the range of costs of senior living in their area. And so getting educated on what senior living might cost, um, how the services might differ across different communities, and then also just encouraging them to think about financing that in different ways, whether that's taking out bridge loans or selling mom's home or you know pooling funds together from other family members. This is something our advisors work diligently with each family based on their personal needs to unpack.
1: Um,
4: the third piece, I'm sorry, did you have a question, Carol?
3: Well, I, before you go on, I'm not sure people understand that there are different types of communities. So oh, yes. if you're not talking about a monolithic residential care home. What are the different, what are the choices with the independent living or assisted living nursing home? What is that? What are those choices?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so independent Independent living is probably a place um, that one might consider for a senior loved one that is fairly independent in what they're able to do for themselves on a day-to-day basis. So again, going back to that term of activities of daily living, someone that can feed themselves and can um, get around physically um, and kind of is maybe used to living on their own historically, but is looking for more of a community is looking for socialization, is looking um, for someone to help them with meals, and potentially medication or or other things. So we see a range of independent living communities. Um, I love visiting them personally because they really are uh, what I would describe as almost cruise ships on land. You know, there's there's usually a bar with happy hour and bingo and lots of activities. It's 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 usually a very um, a bubbly and kind of active community. And the other thing to look for in terms of independent living is they usually tend to have trips or activities outside the building. So they'll transport seniors into, you know, different museums or performances or other things in the area. Um, As someone ages or, you know, their needs just change over time and they need more assistance, then, you know, assisted living really becomes uh, the appropriate choice. And that's a large majority of the community customers we work with. They would describe themselves in an assisted living space. And so there you can really tailor um, the needs of the senior to to what they're able to offer. Um, And you get a little bit more support um, than, than an independent community. And then, of course, we have the memory care facilities, which are either a particular wing of an assisted living community where the service um, memory care residents or a facility that's specifically dedicated to memory care residents. And again, you want to look for uh, the right fit for where your loved one is in the memory journey. You know, people um, kind of discover Alzheimer's, as an example, at different stages, someone might just need a little bit of support with orientation, while others might need constant support. And so you want to look for a memory facility that has that broad um, offering as as the needs of your senior loved ones might change. And so those are the three large um, popular, if you will, types of of communities um, that that our families often um, select. Let's come back to
2: the... uh let's come back to cost for just a moment because I think some folks are mistaken in believing that Medicare will cover the cost of uh, long-term care, assisted living, independent living, and and it does not as I understand it. So what what kind of dollars and cents are we looking at uh, for some of these facilities?
4: You know, it really varies so much by location and by what type of service you're looking for. Um, I don't Think averages, you know, are really helpful here. I think the important thing is to really get the specific information where you live or where you look to place someone. But you know, the facilities just to compare Florida to New York will have a huge variation. And then, of course, when we talked about the different types of facilities, independent living, um, again, regional differences aside, will tend to have um less cost associated with the services versus someone that needs constant care in a memory facility. So I think there's just a ton of variations. Room size matters. you know, you can select a studio or a full suite. Um, a lot of different details go into cost, but I think understanding exactly what you're looking for with one of our advisors is critical because they'll ask, the right questions of what's most important to you, similar way that you would for another real estate decision, and then help you understand kind of what are the different cost implications based on those needs.
3: So what was the third, third part um, that you were going to, we we got you off track.
4: Yeah. So lifestyle needs, that would be, that would be the last one. You know, when, when you're making this difficult decision, I think many of us, um, find that the most important thing is that we feel that our loved one is in a place where they feel just at home, right? A warm, welcoming environment where mom or dad can enjoy community and joy. And my advice on this topic is that you absolutely get out and visit and tour several communities, get to know the staff. So much of the experience are the people in the community and see the other residents in their day-to-day um, and, and sort of imagine your loved one there or even better have them tour with you. Uh, because it's, it's really in those special moments can you really uh, make this, this important decision of whether or not the place is right for you and your family.
2: Now, very often the uh, loved one doesn't really want to go uh, into another facility if they're at home. They want to stay at home. How do you assist in helping them make that choice?
4: Yeah, we get this question a lot and there are great resources on a aplaceformom.com um, in terms of articles and other um, advice on how to even have this conversation with your senior loved one at the onset, right? Um, and so I think there, there are definitely many seniors Um, that want to make this change for themselves, right? So they want to be uh, in a community with other folks to socialize and engage. And that, of course, is one path. For those that are resisting it, you know, I think getting underneath the concerns of the senior is really critical. Explaining exactly as Carol mentioned, that there's so many different types of communities um and, and again, getting them to tour and to experience some of it and meet some of the residents, I think is, is a big difference. Um, additionally, you know, there are some instances where the decision really does sit with the caregiver, right? Um, if you have a parent that is in an advanced state of memory loss, um, it would not be reasonable to expect them to be the final decision maker. Of this type of change. And so that's really where our advisors can help to be that right sounding board um, and help the, the, the adult child, usually, make a confident decision, knowing that the senior can't participate um, in, in that discussion uh, in, at the depth that one would, would want. Uh,
3: and, and so, you know, I, I love what you're talking about. You're talking about conversation, you're talking about visiting we hear that entering a facility sooner than later is better perhaps for individuals while they're still cognitively intact, still mobile, can take advantage of all that a community has to offer. Does that show up in your survey or in your experience?
4: Absolutely, we see that consistently Um, because again, being able to socialize with others, being able to stay active and being around other folks um, is is a really big determinant of outcomes for seniors. And so if you can get um, a loved one to be excited about participating in activities in a community and being able to really develop those deeper relationships, they will of course have a much easier time adjusting and then will age into place much more comfortably, whereas I think sometimes we face these situations where, you know, um, the family has resisted starting the conversation for a long time. And then unfortunately, there is a health care emergency where a loved one falls or gets hurt Or, you know, there's some sort of healthcare incident and they're now speaking with a medical provider saying it's unsafe for mom or dad to actually go home and be alone. And now you're scrambling. You probably have access to fewer options, certainly less time to understand your options. And it just becomes a little bit more of a difficult choice in the moment. And again, you know, this is where our advisors can really help both to get you to tour places very quickly. You know, sometimes we get calls from the hospital with with um, patients looking for options and our advisors are getting them to tour that day. You know, All right, I
2: Tatiana, to... I have to stop you right there. I'm so sorry, flat out of time. But you're a place for mom, but men as well. And if you want information, just go to your website. Tatiana Zolansky, thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. For Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron. Have a great day, everybody. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zernial and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On
1: Air.